and welcome to another episode of Force Proximity. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Megan. And this week's episode, we are bringing to you Naughty Brits, which is an anthology of five different novellas combined into one very long book. (laughs) Yeah, it was a little longer than I anticipated when I chose this. Yeah, it was ambitious. It was. It was. Uh, Spoiler alert. I read two out of the five. (laughs) And I haven't finished one of them, but I'm going to. It's not for lack of trying. Yeah, and not for lack of them not being good either. Right. And I'll get into why I didn't read all of them later on. Okay. So to open up, we're going to do a little trivia. Yeah. So what do you have for me today? I have one. So... Yeah. We went over in pre-production, which we actually did today. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Different kinds of trivia questions. And I kind of throw, I throw ideas out there that I would like. And Megan has to remind me of who our listeners are. (laughs) And that they don't really care about this part. And this is just for me. (laughs) So we at least try to make it interesting for our listenership yeah not that some of the women out there don't love sports they probably there are probably a lot of them that listen to us that love sports maybe all right so what do we have today okay your all-in-one comprehensive single trivia question for the day oh my gosh which NFL team appeared in four consecutive Super Bowls from 91 to 94 and lost them all? That's easy. Oh. <laughs> well? In 1991, the Buffalo Bills lost to the Giants. No, no, no. The question is which team lost? The Bills. Okay. All right. Who Giants, won? Redskins, and Cowboys twice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was a that was easy. <laughs> that's okay. But that that needs you know that's what though? like that's the kind of trivia question uh, we need to be. Like, but maybe short and sweet. Maybe not. Oh my god. Maybe we're like opening some doors for some people that didn't know they were might like this stuff. That's very <laughs> far-reaching. <laughs> You mean our our five female listeners, like maybe they're going to listen to this and suddenly love hockey? Yes, that's exactly what I mean. Well, if they're going to love hockey, it's probably because we read a hockey romance in the future. Not because of your trivia answers. <sighs> sorry. I know. it's just a fun way to start the show it is (laughs) another fun thing we're starting to do we don't really have a name for this segment yet so we're just gonna call it things that we're into (laughs) (laughs) and that's probably what it's gonna end up being called (laughs) yeah that's fine the force proximity psa Mm -hmm. because it's so important so what are you into right now it being October and all, yeah. I'm into the month of October. Why? Because I just like it. Because of, well, this is a special one. Because there's two full moons. Two full moons. 
Halloween is on a Saturday, so it's a day-long celebration. That means less to me than... The two full moons? The two full moons. The two full moons don't really mean anything to me either. I We've been learning a lot about moons and moon phases in our homeschool curriculum. And we read the book 13 Moons on a, tor- uh, turtles, a Turtle's Back, not a Tortoise's Back. 13 Moons on a Turtle's Back. Um, which is uh, around the U.S. and Native American nations. And I guess they would use a turtle shell as a calendar since all turtle shells have 13 segments. And okay. they, there were there are 13 full moons in a year. So it's really cool how they correspond. That and, is very cool. Um, so because October has a full moon on the 1st, that means it also has a full moon on the 31st. So, and then the, they're always called something, the first full moon. It's usually the, usually the last full moon in September is called the harvest moon, but this year it was relegated to October and that was, it's the harvest moon because it's the brightest moon of the year. And you could it was super your, bright. You could harvest your crops by it. Oh, I forgot. I took a picture of it in the morning. Yeah. When I left for work, it was humongous and bright. Oh, really? Yeah. That's nice. I I, I didn't send it to you because it kind of looks like shit on my picture. Yeah, pictures of like moon photography it's just, is very hard. Yeah, and I'm not good at any photography, so, <laughs> so let alone moon photography. But I saw it. I took a picture. And I was thinking of you. I'm gonna. I forgot to preface this episode with, if I sound tired. It's because you are? It's because I woke up at 6. Oh. On a Saturday. You were going to sleep in today. Yeah, I couldn't. You know why? Because of Hank. Because of our son beating me up in my sleep. (laughs) And once I'm up, I'm up. Yeah. I'll sleep in tomorrow, though. Good. All right, so what am I into? Very easy. Sports are back mm-hmm. particularly well the nhl just finished and the tampa bay lightning won the stanley cup yay it's college football's back although my team is pretty bad i'll still watch them because it's my it's my school as you should uh i've been really watching in the morning since i'm by myself i've been watching a lot of english premier league soccer footy as they call it over there because a lot of my students really like it, mm-hmm. and we go for walks a lot because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So it's really a, it's one of the things that we can do that they can like demask mm-hmm. and walk and stay away from each other. Mm-hmm. So I talk to those kids about that. So I like to at least watch some of it <laughs> to say <laughs> I did. And are those games that are happening? Yeah, they are. They're yeah. like right now. Like you watch a game on. Saturday morning and it's happening on Saturday that's a afternoon game that matters to the world currently. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And not really into the NFL right now. Cause the giants are ass. They're bad. <laughs> They're terrible. Yeah. Sorry about that. And speaking of that, I fixed the toilet. <laughs> this is so vulgar. 
Romance heroes do not talk like this. I'm not a romance hero. <sighs> I read about them. We're training our son to be a romance hero. Yeah, well, he's failing. <laughs> but he's five. Yeah. But the toilet thing. Remote, what did you say about your favorite show? Toilets are dumb. Yeah, toilets are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> From Northern Exposure. Yeah. Oh, okay, so in the show, Joel Fleischman, the doctor from the the Jew doctor from New York, as he's referred to again and again. Um, I'm glad you clarified that. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a point of the show. Yeah. He's complaining to his landlord, Maggie, the pilot, um, that his toilet's broken. And she keeps saying, all right, you're fix it. You just you want to be this helplessness junkie fix the fix the toilet yourself like you're a smart guy toilets are dumb and uh yeah i think it's the second episode is it yeah because it's the one with uncle anku which which is one of my favorite episodes uncle anku is a local medicine man and um he gets uh joel has to do a house call and he has to get flown by plane to visit his patient it's alaska who refuses to see him and and joel thinks it's because he doesn't want to lose um lose face Mm -hmm. with his his own healing community but Uh, really really it's because uncle anku already knows he has prostate cancer and he doesn't need to see a general practitioner because he's already seen a specialist in Anchorage. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I love it. This is why I love Northern Exposure, because there's so many twists. Like, there's no... The nobody, little nuance of that. Nobody is as they seem. Yes. And, but at the same time, he tries to teach Joel, like, he teaches him some native dancing. And, um... I think I remember that episode. It, yeah. If it's early, yeah. I, yeah, I think it really is the second episode. And, yeah. It's a good show. If you haven't ever watched it, give it a shot. I'm sure you can YouTube some episodes. I, you can't. It is not available anywhere. Really? Yes. It's so frustrating. Mm. I feel like it's something that should be on Netflix by now. It might be somewhere in the world. Netflix has different stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh. That's why if you get like a uh, an I, different IP address. like Yeah. There's different companies that do it. I don't know the names of them. If they want to sponsor us, I'll gladly learn the name of one. <laughs> but I think ExpressVPN might be one of them. Okay. Where you can put on like different IP addresses from around the world and like get Netflix from other countries. Like in Europe, Yeah. I guess Fresh Prince is on Netflix. Oh. And it's not here. That like Not that we like that show. But I know a lot of people who do that would really yeah. love to watch it. Yeah. So, diff- like, Netflix in different countries had different shows on it. Hmm. So, it might be on a different show or a different country, Netflix. Well, I, I, I wish it was available somewhere. It might be on Amazon, but you'd have to buy it. We have the DVDs. Yeah. That's annoying to put in a DVD. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. How times have changed. Remember how annoying it was to rewind? It's particularly annoying with the DVDs that you have to flip over, I find. 
there's like two episodes on one side and then you have to flip it over and then and I only watch it upstairs in our bedroom TV if I ever watch it because I don't watch much TV at all. Um, and then it, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. So. Well, we are going to be watching season six of Schitt's Creek. Yeah. We already started. We already started. We had a little taste. Yeah. And, it's and then Hank had to go to bed. All right. What are you drinking? What do you got there? I'm drinking the leftover wine that I opened for my book club this week. Is it good? It's fine. <laughs> What's it called? It's called Lopez de Aro. Lopez de Aro. Uh, a Hacienda Lopez de Aro. What de, is it? De Aro. It's a Rioja from Spain. Oh, cool. Yeah. I don't know what that means, except for oh, from it, Spain. Hold on, it might not be from Spain. It might be like fake Spain from from California. Ah. It's in No, I think it's from Spain. I'm looking for the word España somewhere. And I don't see it anywhere, but it's all in Spanish. Product of Spain. There, there we go. There you go. Yeah. I am drinking two things. I am drinking apple cider from our local orchard. Mm-hmm. With uh, apple moonshine <laughs> that my very good friend Jeff gave me as a going away present when we moved to Illinois. Yeah, mixed together. Mixed together as a really good cocktail. It's apple cinnamon moonshine. Oh, yeah. I was going to say it, it tastes like apple pie. It's delicious. Yeah, it is very good. It's more cider than moonshine. Yeah. Cause well, well, of course. <laughs> It is. It's a mixed drink, not a <laughs> not gasoline for your car. Well, if you drink that moonshine just straight, it's very good. Also, oh okay, it doesn't taste like rubbing alcohol. Oh, it's delicious. Okay, and when I'm done with that, I'm drinking a Riggs Beer Company, which is a local brewery here in Illinois that is 100% farm family owned and 90% solar powered. That's cool. Yeah. And it is their Oktoberfest, and it is very delicious. And they're local, located in Urbana, right? Yeah. Urbana, Illinois. That's exactly right. And they have a nice brewery, like a nice place to go sit and drink beer. Mm-hmm. They don't have any food there, so and they allow you to bring your own. And they have a playground. They have a playground. It's nice to have a bar with a playground. Yes, and a fire pit. So... Mm-hmm. When you hear a can crack open, that is my Riggs Oktoberfest. Mm-hmm. All and right. I had planned for us to be drinking English things. And I was going to drink the only... We went to our local grocery store, which has a decent selection of alcohol. And Not if have, you're trying to be specific, though. They didn't have anything from England except for Strongbow. And I, I like cider... But I think I like it with food. Yes. And I drank one earlier with pizza and it just like made me feel really bloated because it was so sweet. Strongbow is, I really like it. Yeah. But I love cider. And it's what I, when I went to England, it's pretty much all I drink. 
I think I would like it if I was out. And I think for me, cider has to be in a glass. And I was drinking it from the bottle and it just tasted like fizzy, warm, overly sweet wine. Yeah, that's and it, it was it needs to breathe. Yeah, yeah I, it wasn't refreshing I, like cider is supposed to be. I've, I've found that I like any of my beer or cider in a glass. I, I now pour myself a glass. You do, unless I'm like mowing and I just grab a Bud Light or Corona. Yeah. And just it's for hydration. I don't care what it tastes like. <laughs> okay. And it's cold. Yeah. That's what that's what my rolling rocks are for. Yeah, my the, rolling rocks that you've taken over because I like to buy beer, thinking I'll drink it, and I don't drink a single one of them. Is it because you forget or because I drink them all? It's because I forget. Because I don't, the, I drink beer that much. No, I mean our our that we. I bought a case of Rolling Rock. Like during the first COVID shutdown in April, I think. Yeah. And then I see something that looks okay. I I I think I bought a six pack of Oktoberfest. I didn't end up drinking any of them. Well, there's three left. Oh, okay. Well, I just, I don't like drinking at home. I like drinking at a restaurant. I get that. Or at a bar. I don't want to uh, be, I don't want to be like. Totally fucked up that poor. I don't want to be like intoxicated at home. Not that I ever get intoxicated because I throw up before I get that <laughs> stage. But I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Well, I have really, really bad brain fog anyway. I don't like alcohol. I love the taste of alcohol, and I wish it was, like, non-alcoholic. Well, I love the taste of beer, and I would drink it if it was non-alcoholic, but that doesn't exist. I know it does, but... Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to choose. Yeah, I'm not going to buy some O'Doul's. No, of course not. Well, Heineken makes a non-alcoholic version now. (laughs) What was that? (laughs) I, I'm not like a, I'm not an 80 year old man. What does 80 year old man have to do with it? I don't know. That's what my grandfather drank when he went to Amvets after he had. He had non-alcoholic beers. Yeah, he was dying of lung cancer. Oh, like Pete. He, yeah. Oh no, Merton. Like, he's one of those people who had a half a beer once a year, shared it with his wife. Really. Yeah. None of nobody in my family drinks in that side of my family. Like, we always had beer in the fridge, and nobody really, like, we'd have a party and no, everybody would have one. No b- blood relative drinks. Who would? Uh, Eric crushes alcohol. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the only one. Yeah, that dude is one of my favorite people on the planet. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> uh, correlation doesn't equal causation. Okay. Oh, you mean he's not be he's not your favorite because he drinks a whole no, bunch? It helps though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I the first time I really met him was when we went there for, I don't even know why. I think it was, we just went there. That wasn't because my dad died, right? No, it was before that. Okay. 
and uh, it was in February-ish. Okay. I believe we still lived in Florida. Yeah. And him and I were in their family room watching. The, I know it was it was it was January because we were watching the playoffs, the NFL playoffs. Mm-hmm. And it was three four hours. We might have said three things to each other. It was awesome. And it wasn't like because we were being awkward or anything. It was just. Both of you are taciturn when you get together. Just nice and relaxed. Yeah. I mean, we talk more now because we know each other, but. Yeah. I mean, we have like full on text conversations now. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's cool. Yeah. All right. You ready to get into this book? Yes. I am too. All right. So, Naughty Brits is five novellas. They're an anthology, but they all do come together. Not come together as a as at the... They're, it's not like a Guy had, Ritchie movie. They had parameters when they were writing this. Yeah, I'll let you take over from here. Okay. So, they don't... Yeah, they don't... They're five completely separate uh, stories... Uh, storylines, different characters and everything, but um, well, there is some crossover between the characters. But they all had to feature a scene or some half scene. Something had to take place at the benefit at the British Museum. Yeah. It, and it's the benefit. I forgot the name of the company. We'll, we'll probably come across it as we're doing quotes and things. Um, it's, a, it's a benefit for a the Pella group who is undergoing this initiative to locally source sustainable food for the world, essentially like getting the world to eat locally and sustainably. Yeah. So it's a really cool benefit. And every character, every, yeah, every character has something to do with this group. So that's, as far as I know, and I've tried to do as much research as I could about this, that is the link. Then that is the only link that these five authors had to had to include in the novella. You say that with a smirk. <laughs> I do, because there were some other... <laughs> like I said, there are some character crossovers. Um... And that's one thing. But then the biggest, there is one single. Oh, the biggest. Oh, the biggest. <laughs> the biggest similarity between all these things. It's not just the benefit. It's that all the men in these five novellas have gigantic penises. Yeah. And. Well, is that something you. Do you A, like, B, not like, or C, are indifferent? I'm indifferent, but I picked up on it because I don't read about that very much anymore. Like, I feel like the giant penis, it'll always be a thing in romance, but I feel like the more we talk about feminism and romance the more we also include positive male body image and 
and in these novels, it just, it seems like these men are larger than life in part because of their giant, giant penises. <laughs> and I just, I was kind of cringing because I was like, well, why is that such an attractive feature? Why, like, why is like the bigness of their dicks like interest like why are they i don't know i just don't know i don't have a lot of experience personally and i don't know if that i i thought we were getting away as a society from like the the giant dick men <laughs> because I thought collectively we've we've all decided that it's not how big it is, it's what they do with it. And now we're getting back to how big it is. Maybe it's just this one thing though. But how Cuz all the other books don't ever mention that that we've read so far. They don't me- they might allude to it like that the the heroine might say something about oh wow that's a very impressive penis you have attached to your body yeah um and yeah i guess they did in the hating game didn't they did they though yeah there was something along those lines of what you just said i but yeah and i think it's not like oh my god this guy was like 15 inches long and as wide as a I don't know. I'm looking at my camelback. A can. Okay, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, but this is very explicit about how how huge they are. And it's like that was their big redeeming feature. I don't know. I just kind of... I was a little cringing a little bit. So, A, you don't like it. I Really, I was indifferent. Because I was cringing because it was like... Uh, it felt antiquated. Is, is this that the okay? Because right I don't feel like this is okay. But, I mean, I don't care. But, really, is this okay to do now? It, it I must mean, be. I mean, we don't describe heroines with... Like, they're gigantic, gravity-defying breasts. So, because people like all different shapes and sizes of breasts. Yeah. So, well, do, do we not like all different shapes and sizes of penises? Like No. We don't? They don't. Who doesn't? Uh, Aren't they all Popular fine? culture. Yeah. It, and I right. know big breasts so, aren't out of style now. Um, like they're like, they're so out. If you have like big fake implants, you are like worthless trash, according to like what smart people find like okay. attractive nowadays. Well, I'm gonna stick up for men here. Okay. And I don't know if I've done it in the past. Talked about this, but the you have talked about male body image. The male, yeah. I'll I'll briefly talk about it then. Okay. It's the male body image is just you you have to have a six pack. 
In romance or in the world? In the world. You have to have a six-pack. You have to eat like shit while you have your six-pack. Yeah. And you have to be well-endowed. Yeah. To be any level of attractive. And you better not make less than $100,000 a year. Yeah. That's... That's tough. Those are tough standards to live up to. Yeah. And I know probably women are going, oh, boo-hoo men. I, but, I know. But still, if you want to be treated as not... And, and I get it that women were held to unfair standards for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. And you've, as as a gender, have done very well in... Overcoming that. Overcoming it and erasing those lines, I think. Well, I think it's the men that have to erase the lines. Us women have always known our worth. It's the men who haven't known it. Uh, All right. Men have to delete those fake lines from their own heads. Yeah, but women like them. Ooh. What? They like all the things that I just said. You mean six packs? Yes. Yeah. And the six pack, the you need to that needing to have the six pack, needing to eat whatever you want and keeping it, and not really needing to go to the gym to keep it. Yeah. Because you need to spend time with her, and you better make a hundred thousand dollars. Now, I don't want to speak broadly on women. Say, you know, it's all your fault, because most of it is the pressure we put on ourselves as men but women do like those things what what woman would turn that down me and i'm not the only one i look at a six-pack and i think you don't eat carbs so you're not going to be very fun on a date yeah and i look at a six-pack and i think you spend way too long looking at yourself in the mirror I don't want to be in a relationship with you. And I think a lot of women, as women become more like steady gym goers, they also realize what it takes. I think women maybe in the 80s and 90s didn't know how much effort it took and takes to maintain a six pack. That's it. Women who know they don't want their man to come home from work or to go straight to the gym for two hours every day after mm-hmm. work. And that's a good point you bring up. Like the more women are getting involved in in the man fitness. Yeah. I, I air quoted that because fitness is fitness. They do like there's st- though that's blurring lines too as far as like, oh, wait, this is really hard to maintain. Yeah. But. I'm not try I hope I don't sound like I'm blaming women for this. I'm not trying to. I'm saying that those things that I said are enticing. Like those are enticing attributes. But men put that standard out there. Yes. For ourselves. Men put the eating. Women might like to look at a six pack, but They don't necessarily want to be with a guy with a six pack. In the same way, some guys will look at Playboy. Not that I condone either thing. I do not like the 
the cheesecake shots of Jason Momoa with his shirt off just as much as I don't like like um you know men leering oogling Gia Genevieve on her Playboy cover I don't think either are classy behavior and I I I don't condone either thing I think they're both the same but I find them like both repulsive like I don't care if it's just like a shirtless picture of of a dude it's still like it's still gross Um, I don't think it's gross yeah well I do (laughs) okay fair enough if you see it, if you, okay, like when he shows up on your Facebook feed and you see it and you can like appreciate, there's different like appreciation of beauty that's different. Like, oh, wow, I really like, like he has great, I don't know what he, I don't, he has great abs or he has great hair or he, whatever it is, or his tattoo placements, whatever. If you're, I think there's an, you can have an appreciation of, of beauty of the human form by all means go ahead and it's that like the leering and the disgusting behavior that can sometimes go after that like the like the I don't know it's like lustful and grody (laughs) when you when you treat the person in the picture as if they are your like like not even a person exactly yeah um, and if you're with a person, if you're partnered with that person, fine, like appreciate their beauty as they're in front of you, like be lustful at that point. But just, I don't know, there's like the looking at the picture and being like, I'd call him daddy. Like, no, it's <laughs> gross. Grow up. Have some, have some class. Well, and we've talked about how uh, like. They say train like an athlete. Like, well, what athlete? Sumo wrestlers are athletes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Walkers are athletes. It's a freaking Olympic event. Like, what athlete are you talking about? Yeah. And they all look different. Yes. So, like, the the body issue came out for... You were looking at it. Oh, that was a compilation of body issues for, like, all of the body issues. It was a behind-the-scenes look. At all of the the making of the ESPN body issues. I love the body issue because I love the body issue is a bunch of naked athletes and they're posed in a way where they're like performing with their sport and they're twisted or something so that they're, they're just doing the general movements or sport would have. Right. And they're they're just genital- naked. Yeah. Their genitals are covered, but it they're beautiful pictures. They get an amazing photographers and it's fascinating to see the different body shapes in sports you know who had the best bodies the hockey players the hockey players yeah i mean evander evander kane is a different that guy's a freaking specimen well i don't remember what he looked like the black guy i you said he looked like he was wearing underwear because his muscles were so were so huge yeah it looked like there was a waistband of like tidy whities digging into his hips because his obliques were just jutting out so far. But that's typical for hockey players. Because you have to do a lot of twisting. Yeah. 
I mean, I I, I have pretty and balance would have you would you would use your obliques. I have pretty more. huge obliques as well. Yeah, and just a huge trunk of a midsection. Yeah, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm fat, but just yeah. There's no abs being seen, but there's no fat either. Yes, and the female hockey players too were like. They look like normal people just with humongous, not humongous, but really thick. Well-defined butts. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think the women have like some of the most beautiful body shapes in all of womankind. The, the hockey players? The hockey players, yeah. yeah. Um, well, that, that's the thing with hockey players. When they're dressed, they look like normal people. I don't think the women would. You don't think so? No, I think the women probably look fat in clothing because people with more muscle mass don't look, they look overweight in clothes. Yeah. It's the, it's the very, the, the live, if you have muscle, you have to have like no fat to look good in clothes. You have to have a long torso and I mean... I would say about myself, I think I look better without clothes than I do being, with clothes. Being a clothing model, I think you look great in clothes. You think so? Because you have a long torso. And that's another thing. Like, clothing models have long torsos because it makes the clothes drape better. And it's just a thing. Like, if you're curvy, you, you unless you're wearing something tight, like, you look bigger in clothing because you have to dress the widest curve. And so all the nuances of your curves get, like, sort of put in a paper bag Mm -hmm. essentially and with hockey player women like they look very lean from the waist up but like from the waist down they're like powerhouses of glutes they're so powerful and quads and yeah they probably they probably don't look as great in like i don't know jeans and a blouse as the hockey men do in their going to going to game suits and the women wear face masks so they have all their teeth (laughs) can't say the same about the guys yeah but see okay see there are factions of women who find that attractive because as long as you can put your teeth in (laughs) i mean if you have if you don't have any teeth that's a different story but yeah, if you can put your teeth in and you just have to take them out. Like, that's funny. Like, that's when your your personality... It shows your personality. Yeah. When you've lost your teeth because a puck hit them or whatever. You played basketball. Something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's actually against the rules for wear a face mask in the NHL. Okay. <laughs> They're not allowed to protect face. <laughs> Well, getting back to the body issue, it's not just it's not just the super you think athlete and you think, oh wow, these are people with all like four percent body fat, but it's amazing to see it's amazing. it shows the height and weight of people. Mm-hmm. It show, who is the who is the gymnast that I was remarking on her her weight? That was Caitlin Ohashi. Okay, so she's like four, four foot, foot nine. nine. And she weighs 115 pounds. Yeah. Which is probably like obese on the scale. Very. Because she has so much muscle mass. We saw the picture of like her back and it looked like my back. Yes. 
It's incredible. And then, and it's, yeah, I just love seeing, I love seeing like pare down the clothing and watch these because they're performing their sport as they're taking pictures and you get to see their bodies, like their muscles are moving in these intricate movements and it's just, it's amazing to see what the human body can do. And when you remove the clothes, it's easier to see that. So I, I don't know. I'm a huge body fan. <laughs> well, yeah, I am. I'm a huge fan of the human body. You are. Which is why I love the body issue of ESPN. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then like my, the female shot putter, I always forget her name. I love watching I her, her too because she's just so strong. Yes. And Th- she's an, also an athlete. And I get a lot of meal ideas from her because I remember she she eats a lot of uh, protein. She has to eat. Pro- she couldn't get enough protein into every meal. So she just put un- unflavored protein powder in everything. So she add um, like spinach and artichoke dip with tons of unflavored protein powder mixed in. And she just like smeared that on all of her food. Yeah. Which hey, sounds delicious. Gotta do what she gotta do. And at that point, she's not eating for body composition, which she kind of is, but she's eating for performance. And if you eat right and you exercise, your body composition will be what it needs to be. All right, so the five books, I read the first novella and the last novella because you told me to. I had to read the last novella. Yeah. So we'll get into that last. Okay. But the first one is called A Duke Worth Falling For, by Sarah McLean. And this is where I have the synopsis right here written down, if I can find it. All right. A Duke Worth Falling For by Sarah McLean. Her career is in tatters. Celebrity photographer Leah Rose. Lila. Lila Rose. (laughs) Told you I woke up at six. Retreats to the British countryside, complete with fluffy sheep, rolling hills, and Max the stern, sexy farmer who tends to them. But their lazy days and lush nights aren't as far from the spotlight as Lila thinks. And Max will have to reveal the truth if he's going to convince Lila that some Dukes are worth the risk. (laughs) So Max is just a tortured soul because his first marriage fell apart. And he's just never been able to like pick himself back up after that. Yeah. And along comes Lila, and <laughs> oh, from As the she heavens, gets, okay, she gets trampled. She gets almost trampled by a sheep. Yes. Named Mabel. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is Mabel. And it's an enemies to lovers kind of, because they start off not on good terms. And he wants... It's a very brief... Very brief enemies to lovers. Because it's a novella. It's got to be brief. Right. So, they fight each other. And then they have sex with each other. And then they have sex with each other some more. (laughs) And then some more. And that's the synopsis? Yeah. So... But the whole time... The whole point is that he tells her that he's the land steward. Yeah. So she run, She is trying to take a picture of this sheep as it's barreling toward her. And as she says, these sheep were not storybook sheep. They're not the certain sheep that you count <laughs> the, with the fluffy. She did say that. The fluffy stuff. They are 
<laughs> that was my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> they are um, muddy, pungent, and noisy, it says. Thank you. Um, she's taking a picture of them for her photography project about this company that's doing this food sustainability. There's a connection. Um, so she's... And what's his name? His name is... His name it's is... It's Max, but it's... I'm, I'm looking for it now. Don't um, tell me. It's uh, Rupert oh, Maximilian, yes. whatever his... Whatever his title is. Yeah. Um and he's the Duke. He's the Duke with a big old dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he just can't find a woman no. to put it in. Yeah, those things banging between his knees. <laughs> really, it is. Like they that's like it that's how it's described. So the whole point the whole time I'm reading these novellas, I'm like thinking about the logistics of having a penis. Especially having a penis that big. So, and you don't have to answer these questions, but this is what's happening in my head. I'm like, okay. So, inevitably, as soon as he sees the the woman that he's, like, hot for, it gets hard. But if it's, like, dangling between your legs, like, halfway down to your knees, isn't it, like super painful how does it even how do you even exist when you get an erection and it's like down your pant leg (laughs) how does that happen and then how is it like and sometimes it's like mentioned that it's tucked up in the waistband so are these like are these guys just walking around with their flaccid penises tucked into their waistband do you just, do you like... Are these all rhetorical questions? Yes. Okay. This is what I'm thinking as a woman <laughs> who hasn't grown up with brothers. Like, maybe if you have brothers, you know these things. Or maybe if you have husbands that talk about this stuff, you know these things. I I have, I don't, I don't really want to know the <laughs> answer. I feel like your penis should go down. Like, when it's naturally in its, like, you know, working state. Like, I'm at work and I have to... It's working state? I mean, I mean at work. I mean, when you're sitting at your desk, your penis So, when it's be... not working? Go... <laughs> working state as in it's at work. When if it's at work... you're walking around it's... gathering sheep together, your penis should be, like, down. No, that's when your penis is off. Okay, when your penis is off, it should it's like off work. I feel like it should be down. Like that's like how it goes. When, yeah, that's how Hanks is. Like, and then he like dinglings it <laughs> when he dances. But how can you dingling it if it's like tucked up in your waistband all the time? And how do you know? Like, when do you switch it from from like going like hanging down in its natural position? To like, oh, I might see the love of my life, so I've got to tuck up my giant penis into my waistband so I can get hard and I can rub it against my woman. There's a lot of logistical concerns I have in this this novella series. Yeah, there's not that much that goes into it. It's just there. <laughs> it's, all those questions in your head don't really know. What? No, they just don't. 
Those what? like tucking it up and you, it's just there. You don't. But when you have an when you, if you have an erection and you're wearing jeans, what then happens? I don't know. I'm 35. Does it that snake back to, to your me. body like, and then go up? Or do you? Is that, that doesn't when... happen to me. Like at work. I'm not 15 where it just pops up. Well, it happens to all these men. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just wondering. You don't have to answer. Okay. <laughs> You're off the hook. Well, <laughs> so I think I know your initial reaction of this book. No. Well, okay. So for each story, we have to answer these questions. Yeah, so, so let's get into this. So were you... You probably, I'm going to guess you were into all of these books as soon as you started, all of these novels as soon as you started them. No. You were not. Okay, I was wrong. Okay. Uh, I was not either. <laughs> and it took me like a couple chapters to get into them. Mm-hmm. And just because. Sarah McLean's I was really into because because of the first paragraph with the these sheep were not storybook sheep yeah and i was like mm, okay let's see where this goes sarah and <laughs> let's uh, see where this goes sarah well she's my friend because i listen to her podcast okay faded mates does she we're... follow you on instagram no oh well some i don't know you might you have a lot of authors follow you um yeah, not Sarah McLean. And but one day we'll be best friends. Yeah. And she'll she'll take me to lunch in Brooklyn. Oh, okay, good. So <laughs> me and John Krasinski can go too. Cuz yeah. we'll be best friends. Yeah, and we'll invite <laughs> Emily Blunt because she'll be looking for something to do. I feel like she's nice anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, so yes, I really liked it because the banter is really good. Sarah McLean, this is her first contemporary. She writes Georgian romances, which is like right past Regency. Um, and they are very feminist and good. <laughs> and good. <laughs> <laughs> they can be feminist and not be good, but hers are both. And I well, she, they can be any book can be anything and not be good. Uh, yeah. So like, uh, some of the books that we've read on this podcast. Sure. Um. She, what am I saying? Oh yeah, I was I was into this in the in the start because she won me with her brilliant writing hmm. and her love of the Aga stove that's in. Little I read that stove made. part. Yeah. I was like, Megan loves this stove. Right. Yeah, and I've heard they don't cook well, but I'm gonna ignore. It's that. a wood burning stove. Yeah. Yeah, wood burners don't cook well. Yeah. The heat doesn't circulate very well. Yeah. So you have to keep moving your food around. And I think they're like those particular stoves are only in England, and yeah, uh, chefs complain about them all the time. But they still look really cool, and they're just like these huge hulking masses. Yeah, and yeah. probably a great like wood burning oven, like wood burning heater for the room. Yeah, 
Um, Just put a kettle on it. No big deal. Yeah. So this was the one that I was into at first. There were two that I was into right off the bat. And this is one of them because of the, because I really liked the writing. And then it didn't, oh, Rupert Maximilian Arden, 14th Duke Duke of Weston and Earl Salterton. There it is. There it is. (laughs) That's the one. Um, yeah, so I really, I really liked this. And he, this is the quintessential, this is what I was expecting from all the Naughty Brits stories. Um, he's a guy that's a little bit, he's a grumpy hero. And he's, he falls in his one true love with this woman that he basically, he falls in love at first sight. I think that's what, that's what I look for in any romance hero. Love at first sight? Uh, well, just like this, maybe not love, or maybe not love as like a, you know it's love, mm-hmm. but this idea that you see this person and you're so magnetized to them that there's like from then on there's no one that's gonna be that's not even no one close. Yes, kind of putting them on a pedestal. Would you say no? No, I don't think so. Because no? you can have real challenges in your relationship after that, but there's some there has to be some moment. Of, like, that's your one. Okay. That, and not because of anything really, really magical. It's just that, and it doesn't, the woman can take her time deciding. But what I look for in romances is how the guy drops his life for the woman. woman. What I look for in romances is big old dicks. (laughs) <laughs> well this is your cup of tea <laughs> I'm kidding I don't really look for anything in romances I just go for the ride and see where it goes Yeah. and um, I hope I keep doing that because I like reading books that way yeah I like I guess I like alpha males that yeah I like alpha males um, that are not alpha. Mm. I like them too because it gives the story more. Yeah. If it's a seven roll, there's nowhere for him to go, and it puts a lot of pressure on the heroine. Yeah, that's true. She has to do all. She has to do all of the changing, all of the growth. Yeah, and that's I think. That's and that's a- not real life. But in a romance novel, you're only seeing part of a life. Yeah. So I think that's why it works. Yeah. Because it's not to say that he's going to be... Okay, so it's... Hmm. No, I don't like that comparison I was going to say. All right. I was going to say like David and Patrick from Schitt's Creek. <laughs> And Patrick is very much a cinnamon roll. Yeah, but Patrick had to grow out of stuff. But Patrick did have flaws. He did have he flaws. He did have things to work on. He and did. He brought major issues into the relationship. Yes. So I think if you had just seen them get together, you would have thought that David was just neurotic and Patrick was the cinnamon roll that didn't have any changing to do. 
But then once you continue on in the relationship, the cinnamon roll always has to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so your favorite thing about the book was the stove. About this, about this (laughs) This novella. novella. No, I think I really liked Lila Rose. You liked the girl really fully developed. I liked the, the author's voice. Yeah. Um, I thought it was just written very well. Uh, my favorite thing about the book was, or this story in the book. Yeah. I don't know. Here's my favorite thing. I like that he had a pub that he went to and all his (laughs) friends gave him shit. Yeah. And he was the Duke and he took it and loved them for it. Yeah. I really liked that. Cause Even the I f- pub owner was a great character, too. Mm-hmm. He had, like, two lines, and I feel like I knew who that guy was. Yep. And I feel like if I was a duke, yeah, I would act like that. Yeah, you definitely would. And, and I you would really, also be your own land steward. I would. Yeah. Well, that's my dream. Yes. <laughs> to be my own land steward. Yes. Um... Yeah, uh, so we can go on. What made the setting unique or important? Uh, it couldn't take place anywhere else. None of these stories could. Right. They had to be in England. Yes, and I think this had to be in the hill country. So I think I of. think we'll just put number three, like broadcast it for the entire series here. Like yeah. it has to be in England. Well, yeah. It's naughty Brits. Yes, you have to have that stoic button down british person absolutely who like lets loose and just goes crazy over their one person yeah which is why i loved the idea of this book yeah i didn't get it a lot though no no Mm. uh what was unique about the setting this one you said the hills well okay in this one he has this big dukedom, but he doesn't. He lives in a few apartments in the main house. Yeah. But uh, the photographer, Lila Rose, is staying in a guest cottage. Well, not a guest cottage, but a cottage on the property. Um, and I think the, the choice to stay there, it just made it very cozy and homey. And um, you had the stove, you had the duke cooking for her making eggs and everything from his own supply yeah um and it was very important to him like sustainability was very important to him so they seem to have the most in common um mentally and intellectually i feel like they're gonna make it i i felt like that too reading this one yeah because she went to they end up getting married or engaged at the end of it yes and she's jet setting, doing photography work and always coming back. And he's leaving her love notes or not even love notes. He's just leaving her a note like I'm out lambing. Yeah. Love you. Yeah. Like very easy going. Yeah, I agree. They're going to make it. Be- I I agree with that, that they're going to make it. Yeah. Um, Which character did you relate to the most? Uh, the Duke. Um, no, yeah. Actually, you know what? Probably the pub owner. <laughs> Well, I think it's hard to relate to a duke. Yeah. When you're like 11th in line for the throne of the yeah. king of England. The yeah. pub owner. I could see myself <laughs> as a pub owner. 
not royalty. Yeah. I I really, I don't know, I really liked this because I like modern day royalty when yeah. it's not the royal family. I like the dukes and the earls and the... Fergie. No, she's the royal family. Is she? Well, her her people are. She's I don't divorced, know anything about so them. She's not anything now. She's the Jenny Craig lady, but <laughs> um, I don't know anything about. Yeah, Fergie married one of Elizabeth's sons, I think. Is that what? Yeah, I'm not a huge royal family enthusiast. I like the Queen, and I that's about. That's I like about Harry because that dude like snuck into Iraq to fight and yeah, refused cool. to leave. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like I like Prince Charles actually. I think he's underrated for our generation. I don't know anything about him. He hates pharmaceutical companies, so he is my guy. Oh. <sighs> um. So number. Well, we talked about the ending. Just now. We think they're going to make it. Yes. Yeah. It was a nice ending. Yeah. I don't think anything could have been different with that. I yeah. liked it. Uh, I don't care about who would play them in a movie. I didn't even think about it. Oh, okay. So she has like wild curly red hair. So I was picturing that comedian. I was not picturing her to be very pretty. No. I was picturing that comedian that wears that awful outfit on her Netflix special. Um, she has that wild curly red ringlet hair. You're thinking of Michelle Wolf. Is that her name? Yeah. She's she funny. She doesn't look like a Michelle. She's very funny, but it, there's just something not attractive about her or maybe not sexy about her. Oh, I think she says that in her special quite I, often. I yeah, I don't. Her voice is terrible. Yes, it's shrill and a midwestern accent. That's what I was picturing for Lila Rose. <laughs> <laughs> and I was think, picturing she she's wearing um, leggings and a and a thick chunky cable knit sweater covering her rear end, like mm. as a tunic top, and I'm like, oh my god, what a bad choice for somebody with a big butt yeah like this unfortunate clothing choice but i i wanted to picture it as like as sarah mclean probably saw it as she was writing it which was as flattering and obviously max loved her big rear end so well i agree with that it did her a service yeah no you can love a big rear end big rear ends are very attractive however when you want to cover it with a cable knit sweater, it looks matronly. Yeah. It's not like, oh, let me highlight my curves. It's like, let me wear this fisherman sweater so I can look like, like my great aunt Marge. Like, there's <laughs> a difference. Well, okay. You, you go with Michelle Wolf. I'll go, I'll go, I'll be a basic bitch here and go Emma Stone. Yeah, okay. Same thing. <laughs> same thing. Yeah. Oh, and I did have a Max, and I think you're going to like it. Henry Cavill. No. He's not an actor. Oh, okay. I just figured Henry Cavill for all these dudes. No. <laughs> I didn't picture Henry Cavill for any of them. Okay. Henrik Lundqvist. 
I thought you were going to say that. Really? Yeah. He's Max. The way he's described, I picture him with his like, brown hair, very classic, like, 1940s leading man, handsome. Yeah. Tall, slender, but still strong. Strong enough to lift her hefty butt up in the air and, like, eat her out. <laughs> As he's like gonna do because it's naughty Brits, <laughs> um. But yeah, and like the salt and pepper beard. Like I was yeah. picturing Max with the salt and pepper beard, like scruffy, and I think the the non smiling Henrik Lundqvistness of it. That's that's who I was picturing the whole time. So which one? Is that his brother? That's Joel. That doesn't look anything like. They're twins well they're not they're not um identical they must be fraternal because joel is joel looks really american well they both (laughs) look very american but yeah henrik lundquist is max okay well he's basically swedish royalty at this point (laughs) actually they do have a king and queen of sweden yeah i don't (laughs) know I don't think that counts. And I think if Henrik Lundqvist said, I'm the king of Sweden now, they would say, yeah, you are. No. Because he is the man. Well, his name is King Henrik, so. I know. There you go. Yes. I like that. I like that pick. Yeah. All right. You're up. Your story is up. Okay. You're next three, actually. I know. Oh, my gosh. I'm in charge of this one. We kind of got to go faster. Uh, we will. Um... This uh, can I read this synopsis? I, I was pulling it up. So that you can do the rest? I can at sure. least do that? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Better With You. Better With You by Sophie Jordan. When the author of a controversial self-help book starts receiving threats, she has no choice but to accept a bodyguard on her UK book tour. V. Mathers is famous for being Marshall Mathers' brother. For asserting that... What? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was really quick of you. <laughs> that would be a weird loop. <laughs> v. Mathers oh is famous for asserting that women don't need men, especially for sex. But a security specialist, Luca Morietti's first burning touch... She starts to think she might need to reserve, reverse, revise. revise her theory. I oh, did. V. Mathers would be Marshall Mathers' sister, not brother. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> not that quick. <laughs> um, see, I, I thought Mathers and I thought Cotton Mather, who was a Puritan minister and partially responsible no, for I think the Eminem. Seven witch trials. Eminem. Yeah. Okay. So my, I didn't initially like this book, but it made me think of another book we read recently, which was. You have me at Ola. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Um, the Honey Don't List. Oh, just the last book we read. Yes. Because, so, V. Mathers has this, she has this self-help book out. out. And she can't help shit? 
No, no, no. It's not that. It's that she was undergoing her third divorce because she kept marrying like these abusive douchebags. And luckily she got out of all her bad relationships, which is not always the case. Mm-hmm. She she got out. She realized in her third marriage, she um, this is not how a marriage is supposed to be. This guy is terrible to me. I need to I need to flee. So as she as she came to terms with her third divorce, she wrote a self-help book or it's like a memoir, self-help memoir. Okay. A la Untamed by Glennon Doyle, which is a book that I had. We'll just leave it there. Major problems with. We'll leave it there. But that's what I was like that's what that's what made me think of the Honey Don't list. Okay. So going back to that book, and I forgot about this because we read Untamed, Glennon Doyle's book Untamed for our uh, my, you na- read it. my I neighborhood. Didn't read yeah, my neighborhood book club that Jonathan's not a part of. It's a bunch of neighborhood women. Um, we read that for like our April selection or May or something. Some We wanted something light and just notable. So we picked Untamed, and the results were really mixed. Like, one person loved it, and the rest of us were like, we thought this was going to be better. <laughs> and and so Glennon Doyle, I so I, my mom and I both underwent. We hated the book so much. We had such visceral relax, reactions to the quote-unquote advice in this memoir that we were like, we did this Glennon Doyle search. And we we learned a lot about her. I like her on Facebook or not on Facebook, on Instagram. Instagram. I like her. And I really like Abby Wambach, her wife. Uh, so Glennon Doyle wrote a marriage book. Mm-hmm. And she and her husband were these big Christian people. And they wrote a marriage book together. Meanwhile, he was cheating on her constantly and had been for years. And she was an alcoholic. So I feel like I don't know if Christina Lauren were influenced by Glennon Doyle's story. But I feel like the the that lady, the, Melly from The Honey Don't List is Glennon so Doyle. So in the nine degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it it connected me back to that and then back to Glennon Doyle. So this is another Glennon Doyle moment. Okay. um, Now, Glennon Doyle doesn't say you don't need a man. You you can masturbate all you want. But that's not the point of Untamed. Untamed is about being being who you truly are. Is that what this novella was saying? In the novella, in the Sophie Jordan novella, this in Naughty Brits. Yeah. No, she was, yeah, it was all about, like, you don't need a man to fulfill you, which you don't. I don't know why that would be shocking news to anybody. Um, And if you have a vibrator, that's, like, just as good as a penis. So I don't know what, why anybody would think otherwise. And so, yeah, that's what her book was about. Um, Lie, lie? No. What's her name? I've got to pull up the names. Does it say the name? Oh, V. V. V Mathers. Yeah. So V wrote Marshall's this sister. book. V wrote this book and it became a runaway success a la Untamed by Glennon Doyle, which is I probably what made me think about it. And 
and it really upset men for because apparently they've been living under a rock for the past two decades and don't know that women have been saying this this is nothing new um so you can like you can kind of see why this wasn't my favorite uh-huh. i feel like this she's like working like this is a 20 year old premise here yeah so um so she is big strong woman doesn't need a man doesn't need a male bodyguard which leads me to believe like this isn't that strong of a story because the whole thing wouldn't have the whole thing you should have just given her a woman bodyguard yeah so she tries to like this guy's tailing her and she's never been to england before uh she has this english bodyguard and he's has to accompany her everywhere so the first place she goes is to a restaurant and the guy has to save her and she wants to go all over all over and she ends up doing nothing because the bodyguard has to follow her and it's going to be awkward to have to make conversation with this guy who is paid to follow her around so yes very awkward but the guy looks like henry cavill apparently but not to me. To me, he looks like um, Tom Hardy. Yes. <laughs> Which I feel like... I was thinking Tom Hardy the whole time. Well, I feel like Max is supposed to look like Tom Hardy because Sarah McLean, like loves Tom Hardy. But yeah, I feel like this guy, V's guy, Luca, is, is Tom Hardy. Because Tom Hardy can get really scruffy. Mm-hmm. And this guy is not scruffy. He's very like a suit wearing button down bodyguard. But yeah, I mean, you can see where it goes. Like she needs to, she needs his protection at some point to, because somebody throws eggs at somebody next to her, which is the whole moment of terror. <laughs> She gets egged. She gets turned into an omelet. Yeah, and he and if it wasn't for him, if it wasn't for him, like knocking her down on the red carpet on their With way into the benefit, dick. yes, and that's there too. <laughs> because once they're in the British Museum, she has to like she just like she has to have the it. Closet. Oh yeah. Uh... All right, has, so he has the big old dick. Your initial reaction? I didn't like it. Ah, uh, did it hook you immediately? Not or? at all. <laughs> uh, there was a lot did, of. I don't need a man. I wrote this book. I don't need a man. I wrote this book. I don't need a man because I wrote this book. So, what was your favorite part? <sighs> I liked Luca. He's a nice guy. He is a nice guy. He has this big Italian family. And he, when he realizes how special she is, which she does, she's not that special. I think my least favorite part is, is V. She's just not that great. Um, but he, he sees something great in her and he takes her to his family's Italian restaurant and has, she has the most delicious food and he takes care of her and... They have to share a motel or a hotel. Oh, 
And so there's only one bed and he has to sleep in the chair because neither of them would sleep if if they slept in the same bed together. And and so it comes to find out that she wrote this whole book about how women can masturbate and it's just as good as sex with a man. And then she comes to find out it's not. And then she comes to find out that like no man has made her orgasm. And he he says at some point, well, I could. And and then she gets really bold all of a sudden and is like, we'll prove it. And he proves it. <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> and then. Uh, yeah. Um, so the sex is good. Mm, I didn't love. I didn't love the story. I felt like it was just old. Mm. Okay. Do you relate to anybody? Um, no. Alright, so I'll skip the ending part because you're not really into this one. Uh so Tom Hardy plays him. Who mm-hmm. plays her? I could get a sense of what she looked like. No. I was just picturing somebody kind of old and just nondescript. And I think I was picturing her as old. She's not supposed to. She's supposed to be 28 or something like that. I just, just picture this old disgruntled woman. Because <laughs> because to, cause to me this issue is like everybody knows that you can masturbate and it's good. I mean, like that's not a that's not a new thing. That's I know it's a novella, and authors don't need to put their full creative force behind a novella in an anthology, but you should. And Sarah McLean obviously did. So maybe it was because this followed Sarah McLean's uh, contemporary novella, first contemporary piece, and it was it was really good mm-hmm. and very nuanced. Mm, yeah, I just didn't like this. All right, so let's move on to the next book, the next story. Yep. Not a bad boy by Louisa, Louisa. I I don't know. Edwards. Louisa Edwards, yeah. Writer Mallory Pritchard moved to London for research and to get over a bad breakup, when she literally runs into the Hollywood's hottest action hero, Ian Hale, at a dog park. She realizes her heart isn't as broken as she thought. Ian is even more devastatingly sexy in person, which makes Mallory wonder, is there room for a regular girl in his glamorous movie star world? Hmm. Now, this is a book you wanted. This is the story you wanted me to read. And I read the other one by accident, started reading the other one by accident. Yeah. Uh, so why do you want me to read this one? Because it's about dogs. It's about dogs. I love dogs. And they're all the way through. It's not just like the writer took the dog and... Like in the first story? Huh? The first story. See, you don't even remember. There's a dog in that one. Oh, yes. Yeah, but no, it makes sense that the Duke would have a dog following him around as he's working as the land steward. But I feel like a Duke having a dog... That dog knows to behave. And he (laughs) knows to lurk in the background. Yeah. Like... Like, well, I mean, you've seen Downton Abbey, the few episodes with the ISIS. Um, ISIS, yeah. Yeah. ISIS? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. The Egyptian goddess. 
not the terrorist organization. Yeah, you know what? I <laughs> I always thought of it as the Egyptian goddess until now. And then I, yeah, okay. I liked this one a lot. And I think it was a little bit long. And I think you wouldn't have time to have read it. But, yeah, you have... You have the the naughty Brit here who is Ian Hale, who is I he's in this series of movies called the Mount Olympus movies. So he plays a Greek god. He plays Zeus, I think. Okay. So I already know who's gonna play him. Who? Keep going. Okay. So <laughs> he plays Zeus and he is um, very beautiful. Um, and oh. he he keeps up his beauty. Like he has to work with his trainers for hours a day. So you'd appreciate that, Jonathan. Yep. Because he has a six pack. Because he has to. He is paid to have a six pack. Because he gets paid to go to the gym every day to look the way he does. So Ian Hale has this little rescue dog. Not little. She's a pit bull. Um, and then uh, Mallory's dog, her Irish wolfhound, my favorite breed, runs into runs into the other dog. And she's like muddy at his feet. And he doesn't help her up. And she recognizes. She's like, oh, hello, Mr. Hale. And he rolls his eyes. Yeah. And But then they start talking about dogs. He asks her some weird question. And he just ignores that she celebrity sighted him in front of him. And he asks her some question. They start chatting about dogs. Um, and then they, they're they both really into each other. And it's obvious. And then he just, like, walks away. He throws the ball to the dog and walks away. Her dog. And walks away. So she's like, okay, well, what am I going to do? And then she comes back the next morning. And he's there? And he's... And he's not there. Uh, but she's like, mm, I don't know. Maybe he frequents his place and we have to give him his tennis ball back. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but he shows up and and they start talking about dogs again. And they really start bonding over rescue animals. And they and they have this great conversation um, that's just very much normal people. Um, two normal people talking to each other. And you get the sense that he hasn't had that normal conversation. Because to everybody else, he is Zeus, the god of Mount Olympus. And he doesn't get to talk about dogs and things that he likes. And the person that he is underneath his six-pack that he has to maintain. Because he gets paid to do that. So it's really, you, you get a sense that there's something lurking underneath and you know that he's really attracted to, to Mallory. Um, and she is described as very voluptuous and very like plus size. She's like a plus size goddess, but she's still very normal average looking, which I, I love. Um, and she's like, well, he cannot be attracted to me because he has all the Angelina Jolie's of the world that he can be attracted to and should be attracted to. Yeah. 
So it just doesn't really make any sense why he would choose me. But then she starts talking about what she does. He asks her about what she does. And she's writing a like a, a nonfiction book about how the intersectionality of women and feminism and, well, women in history and feminism and how women used... Um, how cookbooks allowed women to have a sense of um, place and have a sense of self when nothing else before had made them do that because the earliest cookbooks were written by chefs for chefs and then when women started taking care of women <laughs> women started writing these cookbooks for other women and then the their world sort of changed and I that's something I really appreciate because I studied that when I was in college <clears throat> and I still study that I have huge collection of uh, cooking anthropology books and I love looking at them so she is talking about she mentions that she has to go look at the cookbook collection at the British Museum mm, so there's the no that's not even the collection oh it's not the connection okay um <sighs> Yeah, she just took the British Museum and ran with it. Um, and then he says, I think I could help you out if you need somebody to help you, like, look into this, into the the collection in the back room. And he has an in because he's supposed to make a public appearance at the at the benefit that's upcoming. And he knows. We'll get to the woman's name. Um, he knows the director, the oh, big the time director of, yeah, who is the ex wife of, of Max, yeah, Max from book one, yeah, who is an amazing person. Is she? She is unbelievable. She seems so in the first story. Yeah, she's like, yeah, she's amazing. She's um, she's uh, like a PhD who just like you know has enough time. Uh, on the off hours of to run running, the British Museum. running the British Museum to just drop off this collection of historic cookbooks to, <laughs> to this woman who just happens to know a celebrity. But but she's also like you get a sense that she is really is that warm. Um, So I loved her. She's Dr. So-and-so. We'll just call her Dr. So-and-so. So... <laughs> Um, so Mallory thinks though this guy is like really into this woman who's the director and that makes sense because she's beautiful and smart and he's beautiful and and something like dark I don't know because she, she doesn't know him at this point so um, but he doesn't he stays with her in this little room under the stairs where she does her stuff and she he ends up like talking her into an orgasm <laughs> um she's so is that even possible i i <laughs> don't know i want to say that yes it is possible okay and i <laughs> yeah so she has an orgasm like on the corner of this table as he's like telling her to like have an orgasm now <laughs> Uh, which I'm, I'm guessing that's like this fantasy for women. I don't know. 
I don't know. Is it is it a fantasy? Like I don't. I. Mm. Yeah. So there's a lot of dogs in it. Okay. There's more dogs. They get together. They have like a whole weekend together in his apartment. His fame gets in the way. They call her the press in the like the British paparazzi name her Plumpy. <laughs> <laughs> Plumpy Pritchard. And um and he fights for her and then it turns out he's like this Oh, there's a scene she, she he wants to take her on a date. She okay. said, and he's like, I will go to whatever restaurant we can't get into or whatever club, whatever you want, we'll go. And she says, take me someplace that makes you really happy and take me someplace that you've never taken anywhere else before. So he takes her to an animal shelter where he volunteers. <laughs> it's such a Hallmark movie. But it's like if Hallmark made good movies, that would be this novella. Um. So he takes her to the the animal shelter and they get to play with dogs all night. And it's really nice. It's really sweet. And everybody there knows him. And so you can tell he like he really goes there to volunteer. It's not just saying it. Right. Um, So it's a really nice date. And she loves dogs. So it's her thing, too. Um, And then he he lets loose. And it turns out he's like this like Oliver Twist kind of character mm-hmm. he was i don't know if he was an orphan but his his parents were not there and he was on the streets from an early age and he was involved in crime everyone he knows from that life is a dead or a drug addict or a drug dealer so his agent actually discovered him because he went to rob his agent at gunpoint or knife point knife point it's england yes at knife point, his agent turned around, saw how pretty his face was, and thought, I can do something with you. So his agent saved his life by taking him under his wing and turning him into a movie star. And that's not known. So that's why Ian Hale has all this darkness, because he feels very indebted to his agent. He feels like there's he keeps dropping these hints about, like, well, I have to look this way. I... I have to go to the gym. I have, like, I don't want to, but I just have to do these things. And I have to make these dumb Mount Olympus movies. And even though he's reading indie movie scripts and um, about things that are actually important to him. And you, you get the sense that he is not at, at peace with his own life. And he doesn't like the fame. He doesn't care about the money. And he's very much like a loner. And he hasn't dated anybody for real in two years. He just gets like he has to date these models so that they they can be up and comers. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And in the end, it's they're very obsessed with each other, but it it seems wholesome at the same time. OK, so, yeah, it was really nice. I so you, you got into it right away. Yes, I did. OK. Your favorite thing was, I'm going to guess two things. The dogs? No. Okay. The fact that she was plus sized? Mm, no. Okay. I, I mean, it was okay, but. What's your favorite thing? It was the cookbooks. Oh, I forgot about the cookbooks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Did you relate to her the most? Yes. Out of the whole book, I related to her. Of the all the novellas? Yes. Why? Um, because of just because of her academic side. Okay. What she was into intellectually, that's the same thing I'm intellectually into intellectually. Yeah. All right, so here is the fun one. Who plays who? Who plays Ian? I don't know. Yeah. I couldn't picture anybody. You couldn't? I thought you had somebody for Ian. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're going to not like it. Oh. Sam Worthington. Isn't he the guy with... He's from Australia. Wait, isn't No, he's Sam... from England. Oh, no, I don't like him. I know you don't like him. No, he no. He was in the shack and you hated it. No, no, no. No, he cannot play him. Well... No, because... He played, he played the guy in the Clash of the Titans. Oh, uh-uh. Zeus was played by freaking, uh, I, you know, I'll, I'll find you and I'll kill you. What's his name? I don't know. Yes, you do. No. From Love Actually, he was the dad. Why can't I think of his name? Natasha Richardson's husband? Yeah. I don't know. I can't think of his name either. Irish guy. <laughs> L- Liam Neeson played Zeus. That name sounds really wrong to me. Liam Neeson. Okay. Well, uh, he can't be it. He's too old. No, I think he, mm, I'm picturing nobody. <laughs> Nobody in particular. No, I couldn't picture anybody because I picture somebody very, very tall, very thin. This guy had a huge dick. Well, of like, course, almost the hugest of them all. What about Luke Evans? Luke Evans, who's that? For Gaston. No, he's not tall. He's not. No, I thought he was. I think he's short. I thought he's at least six. He's feet also tall. gay, so I, I can't. Yeah, but who cares? He's He's played in... He he's always, six feet tall. He seems very gay to me. Does he? Yes. I've always thought he was gay before he came out. And I... Yes. He just seems too gay to be that into a woman. I think he can act it. He's an actor. He's also too old. He Ian's, is old. Ian's younger. I don't know. Brown hair. Young guy. I don't know. We'll any... get an up and comer for that one. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and for her, I no, I don't have anybody. No. Sorry. They're just so unique characters. No, it's that they're so she's so normal looking. I can't imagine a celebrity playing her because I imagine her just looking like any girl next door. Okay. All right. So let's move on. Okay. Book or story by Tessa Gratton called Songbird. I started reading this one. I got six chapters in. Uh, Former American soldier Daniel Kelly's mission is simple. Close the deal to buy a Welsh pub on behalf of his family's corporation and survive another anniversary of the worst day of his service. Too bad that from the moment he sees the pub's owner, Elspeth Gwendolyn, is the only thing Daniel wants to conquer, even if it means lying to her about his agenda. 
Okay, I didn't finish this one. Um, I but I really liked it. I liked it too, from what I was reading, because I liked the pub. Yeah, I liked. I, I like small Daniel. businesses. Yeah, that know their patrons. Yeah, and she she's the pub was described as busy enough to keep her moving, but not too busy where she needed extra help. Yeah, I like that. I think that's a direct quote, actually. Was it? Yeah. And it just sounds like she's hosting her friends all the time. It does. And I liked how that sounded. So that's my favorite thing about this book, the story. Okay. Um, I was kind of hooked right away yeah. with this one. Is it because the guy was the American? And a soldier. Yeah. And it was in a pub. Yeah. And the way, I don't know, their interactions, they're flirty right away. Yeah. There wasn't... They liked each other right away. And they both, like, Made pretty much known. said, I like you and I like you too. Yeah, that was and interesting. We're totally going to do it later. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and she was... She took charge. Yeah. She's the naughty Brit. She Yeah. Well, she's the Brit. She's Welsh. Yeah. Um, I don't know how it connected to everything else. I'm sure he has a big old wiener. But... Yeah, I didn't get to his wiener. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I didn't get to her describing the size and growth of it. So I, I'm assuming that it's gigantic just because they're all all the other ones are just so gigantic. Yeah. I didn't read into it too much to connect with anyone and I don't I don't know. If anyone's gonna play this I have no idea. She would have to be someone very bubbly, I think. Yeah. Um, and also have a good opera singing voice because she was an opera major and had to quit school a semester before she graduated with her music performance degree. Well, that's there is someone like that, but she's not British. That's, what's her name? Fuck. The blonde lady. She's married to Dak Shepard. Oh, Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell. No, no, no. She's bubbly and can sing opera. Yeah, she doesn't sing opera. She sings musical theater. There's a huge difference. Musical theater is just belting out stuff. Okay. Opera is like a, an instrument, a trained instrument. Well, then I have nobody. Yeah, I have nobody either. And it's not like she has to sing opera. Yeah, no. Because they can dub it. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> um I was picture I guess I guess the girl from Set It Off Set It Up. Set It Up. Yeah, my favorite Netflix movie that I've seen once and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's like a real person though. I mean, I've heard her I've heard her that actress's name Set before. It up. Set It Up. I've heard that actress's name before, and I, I know she's in more than just set it up. So it's not like she's a Hallmark actress and doesn't do anything. She's like a an up-and-coming actress. Zoe Dutch? Yes, Deutsch. Deutsch? Yes. Zoe Deutsch. That's oh. who I would play have play her. I'm sure she can do a Welsh accent. Um. All right. 
Yeah, I liked the PTSD aspect of the soldier. Did he have that? Yeah. His, like I said, I only got six chapters. His friend then. died in action. I didn't get to know exactly what happened, but he has his friend's lighter, and he's always flicking with it. I did get it. that part. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he... Yeah, and she's really cute, and she takes charge, and she's the one that says... I think you're really handsome. That's why I'm smiling at you. And she's the one who pushes the sex. And he goes along for the ride. Um, And he is, there's, you know, there's the undercurrent. Like, he is going there to buy her out. So there's going to be this major issue later on. But... I just fast forwarded to the, the last <laughs> fast forwarded to the highlight of in the last book. Oh, okay. And I got a glimpse. Okay, well, we're that. let's let's just go to the last story. Oh, well, wait, let's just like wrap up Songbird. Okay. Um I really liked it. I haven't finished it yet. I'll finish it tonight and um yeah, I just it was just a matter of timing. Um yeah, I really liked it. I don't know about the ending. My least favorite part was the weird sex. Because there's a lot of grinding and... I I don't know. I kind of just... like Sometimes I just wish people would have sex without a condom. Because, like, just... You're making it weird. Like, you're taking it way back to high school. Yeah. Ugh. Just... just you know, she's on birth control. You're both clean. You know it. You're going to say it in two chapters. So just just go. Just go. Well. <laughs> all right. So that was Songbird. The last story of the novella by Sierra Simone is called Supplicate. After being left at the altar by her cold and brilliant professor, Church Kaysen. Charlotte Tenpenny had to leave school to take care of her younger brother, but a fateful night brings Church and his delicious drugging kisses back into Charlotte's life, and it stirs up a reckoning years in the making. Dun, dun, dun. Reckoning is good. Like, there is no adjective too dramatic for this story. You tried to warn me about Sierra Simone. <laughs> And you just have to experience Sierra Simone. Exactly. There is no, (laughs) nothing that can prepare you for what you're about to read. Mm, Yeah, this is your first Sierra Simone. This is Book Boner 11 out of 10. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of, like, they think they're having sex more than they're not having sex in the story. It's very erotic. Yeah, but... I guess so. Yeah. So... There... Ugh. Every conversation these two are having, they're having sex. Yeah. And like... Rough. <laughs> like, rapey, kind of. Oh, I don't think so. I did. You thought so? Not, Not rapey, but like... 
really forceful. <laughs> but they don't even like they don't even he doesn't penetrate her I until know, the end. It's, I know. It's I think what makes it rapey is that so the prologue, she is standing ready to walk down the altar. She's standing in the narthex of the church. She's ready to walk down the altar and the priest says, I don't think your groom is coming because there is nobody from his side sitting on sitting on the right and uh, he's not here yet and the wedding is really late. Yeah, he's not coming. He's not coming. So you can go. Yeah, basically we told her. <laughs> so she goes and oh, but the groom has sent her a car. There's a car waiting for her to drive her back home. She gets on the tube in her big fluffy wedding dress. With her little brother. With her little brother. Holding her thing, train behind her. And, yeah, and then she, the guy just completely broke her heart. Like, this guy, who was her professor? And she can't go back to class. Well, I guess it's in the middle of, a, like, at the end of a semester. I yeah. hope it's at the end of a semester. Um, she's never going to be able to have sex again because nobody can fuck her like this guy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just like, I mean, if, you, yeah, it's horrible to be left at the altar. Uh, yeah. So then flash forward four years later and she is working for a caterer. At, at this British museum, museum. yeah, uh, she's being yelled at by her catering boss, and it's awful. And she has a friend there, and the only thing she's just like she has to work two jobs. She works at a Tesco during the day, which is a grocery store. Yeah, and she works at this by this caterer, and it's the only way she can make ends meet because she has a crap family who left her. Stole her money. Stole her money and left her because they thought she was marrying this rich professor guy. And she has to take care of her little brother, and she has to get him out of high school. The only way she could afford food and rent and utilities and all that stuff for him is if she dropped out of college and worked two jobs. So that's what she's been doing for four years. She is no longer, like, the brightest, the best and the brightest, like, the shining star 20-year-old. Now she's this, like, weasened, haggard 24-year-old. 24-year-old. Uh, and the only way she gets through these catering things is to David Attenborough her way through. So he's the producer of all those like BBC World documentaries. Uh-huh. And um, and she just like she she thinks to herself in these anthro- anthropological terms because she's a former anthropology student. And she I. I that made me my initial reaction to this book mm-hmm. like i liked it and then she okay so one of her thoughts one of her anthropology thoughts is here's the cold-blooded society maven forced to defend her committee territory from a young upstart the upstart will have a name like summer or vervain and the maven will make sure to say it as often as possible to highlight how ridiculous her very existence is both will use the champagne as a way to buy time for the next cutting remark. Like, 
Sierra Simone's writing is just brilliant. So you, it's undeniable. Yeah. I know how you feel about sex in books, and I know you don't love it, but Sierra I'm coming Simone around. Is I'm coming around to it. <sighs> this is like I didn't cringe at any of this. She is like whoever your favorite literary author is. Sierra Simone is that to erotic romance. Okay. And romance period. Like Sierra Simone is a, the best prose writer in all of romance. So I didn't love this story, but I will read pretty much anything Sierra Simone writes because she writes so beautifully and so succinctly and like it's just like biting. She's just like cut through all the bullshit in literature in in words and she she is just an expert word crafter and i i appreciate yes that. i did notice that in this story yeah. <laughs> it's yeah very very well written yeah um so, so he's trying to win her back he notices her at the function at this gala and he runs to go talk to her and she runs she away. She runs away, not to save her pride, because she thinks she's going to kill him. Yes. So he actually catches up to her, and they start talking. And... The, he says hello, and like, hello, let me finger you. Yep, and that's what happens. <laughs> because these two just cannot keep their paws off each other. Yeah. And she just... She she knows she remembers his touch before she sees him again and she thinks she sees him and she's like, oh, God, I can't see him because I'm going to kill him and I'm going to fuck him. And probably probably both of those things. Yeah. Not an either or, but probably both. Yeah. And she sees him and she's like, oh, crap. And she's lied to him, so she told him she went back to America. Mm-hmm. I forgot she about that. Didn't she's been working in these hell holes for the past four years, and he's been thinking these four years that she is like now in America, going to Harvard, getting her uh, archaeology degree, and she's busting her ass just to make ends meet. <sighs> yeah, in reality. Yes. Um, so there's a series of events where he shows up where she is. Yeah. And pleasures her. Yeah. And slowly, like, inches his way back into her life by doing that. And then eventually he tells her, he lays everything out of why he had to leave because his job was on the line and her job was on the line or her future was on the line. So he chose their career path instead of their love, which you took issue with because you thought that nowadays you can definitely work around that. There's ways you can make both work. Yeah. So inevitably, if you're a single professor or an unhappily married professor, you will fall in love with a student. Yeah. Like that's just like, it happens so frequently. It's like, cliche at this point yeah it's Uh, just frowned upon it's i that's a friend's thing it's not going to be it's i i think 
I probably depending on what college you're in. Yeah, it's a non-issue. But Penny Reed shows it's a non-issue because that happens in one of her books, and they're just like the professor is like, "I saw you partially naked." Mm, I probably shouldn't be the best one to grade your papers anymore. So let's bring somebody in to grade your stuff, and that's all it needed to yeah, happen. Done. But in this case, this guy, she calls him Church, which is really like mm, that's a little heavy-handed. Whatever. We know that when you are having sex with this dude, it's your it's your church. But he's also named church, which just seems a little bit, yeah, heavy handed. I don't like that name. No. Like, and it's not like the amount of times that she says it during sex. Like, do you really want to say church? Yeah. It's kind of an ugly word. <laughs> church. Church. Yeah. It just, like, sticks in your throat. It's not a great word. Anyway. Yeah, the pre... So, the guy couldn't marry her because her professor, or his his boss, which I guess is the department head of archaeology, which, if he's so brilliant, why is he not the department head? True. Mm, yeah. Because he's a, he's a rogue. He just can't... Why is he not teaching at Oxford? He's teaching at, like, the... Like some London. I'm sure it's a good college else. in London. I'm sure it's better than anything we have in America, but still, oh, like, why is that. he not at Lo- Oxford or Cambridge? That's not true. People come from all over the world to go to U of I. If in Illinois, to study agriculture, agriculture, yeah. not archaeology. If you're, yeah, okay. There's different. You're saying better than what we have in America as far as archaeology goes? Yes. Okay. Yes. Just. There are certain places where the liberal arts are just inherently better, and England is one of those places. Well, we don't appreciate them here because they don't make Well, money. some of us do. Some of, like, on this side of the microphone. <laughs> um. Anyway, so he's... <sighs> He can't marry her because on the day, the morning of their wedding, his boss came and said, you know, you're going to ruin her career before it even starts. Right. And he thinks about it and he's like, yeah, you know what? I didn't think about that, but it probably is kind of shady and it does kind of look like she was sleeping her way to the top. You know what? In academia, people sleep with their professors all the time. It's just a given. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't get any special favors. They don't get better grades because the professors notice these students because they're brilliant students. And it's not... They're getting good grades anyway. They're getting good... Yeah. On their own. Yes. Yeah. They're And the professors are probably thinking, wow, I have a lot in common with this person. Like, professors are just as, like, human as... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> But anyway, this guy can't ruin her career and he can't and he says he'll ruin his own career by sleeping with no. Um so I, I don't know. This part reason number 1 for why I didn't love this story. Reason number 2. Are you going to read it? I think I have to read yeah. this. So So is this This is in the office. <laughs> <laughs> she he goes to her work at the grocery store 
and they basically she pulls him into the manager's, the manager's office. office which i read somehow you thought it was a bathroom i thought it was the public bathroom like where there's like shit and toilet paper on the floor and no. urine like sticky urine floors no and it's, it was the manager's re- re- manager's office so again, it doesn't make it a whole lot better. No, it doesn't. But it's better than a bathroom. It is. And again, he's he. What does he do even to start? Like he starts in on her. Like I need you back. I need you back. And she's like, no. And then he start. They start kissing, and then they both just can't stop. And because it's such an obsessive love that they have for each other, so he starts. Uh, he's actually he's going down on her and then this is from his perspective <laughs> he's like he's like crouching <laughs> okay so you have to get this visual he's crouched like a frog on the floor <laughs> And I'm picturing this like frog man. He's crouched like a frog. Like I'm pic- his knees are like splayed out and he's bouncing on the toes of his the balls of his feet. Like a catcher in a baseball game. Yes. <laughs> She's like on the desk or something with her legs like spread in front of him. <laughs> and then he start like he just can't not touch himself at the same time. So So He's um so yeah, he's like touching himself. He brings out his own gigantor penis. This is this is like the giantest penises of all giant penises. Like the most giant penis in the world. So then at this point he's like <laughs> he has his like hand wrapped around his giant penis and he says my hips punch forward into my clumsy left handed touch as I use my other hand to wring my last climax out of Charlotte so he thinks this is the last time he's ever going to be with her see her yeah. so of course you know it had to turn sexy time her broken words are changing into broken cries, and I relish the sound of them. Now, this is good writing. I am not making fun of the writing. I'm making fun of the visual here. <laughs> <laughs> I relish it so much that my starved body releases with a shudder and sends long, hot ropes of cum between her legs, marking the wall, her ankle, part of her pants. <laughs> It's the first decent climax I've had in four years, and it wrecks me head to toe. So I, can you just imagine this, this poor manager coming in his office, like not coming? Not he's not coming. The other guy already did. He no, gets I think in his she's office. The manager. Oh, is she? I think it's her office. Oh, okay, that's better. Yeah. So no, yeah, no. I'm just. Just the visual of this guy bouncing on the balls of his feet, his legs, his knees out, like looking like a frog, <laughs> like jerking himself off. It just looks, I am picturing Gollum. <laughs> no, I'm like, picturing a catcher but now. But instead of eating this, like Gollum fish, he's like jerking off this huge horse dick and like just like... <laughs> 
this fire hose of cum, like just spurting out <laughs> everywhere. And it's just like, this isn't even sex at this point. This no. It's just like pure comedy. But that's comedy. what I meant, like rapey. That's, I guess it's not rapey. It's not rapey because she is really into it. I know. Rapey was the wrong word, but it's just. Cringy? Yeah, I guess that's a better word. Gross. Yeah. And then he says, God, I wish I could fuck you. Like, I want, yes, please do, because I don't want any more ropes of cum <laughs> trashing this manager's <laughs> office. Like, sticky, like. Ropes. <laughs> ropes for days. <laughs> Why is the cinnamon bun glaze on my monthly reports? <laughs> dripping from the walls. The ceilings. And yes. <laughs> from this guy, like, <laughs> nebbishy, like, jerking off and is crouching down. <laughs> like, this is such a, like, unsexy visual. Like, <laughs> oh, gosh. I think at that, like, I was kind of, in, like... Okay, spin her around and like put put her ha- put your hand down her pants at the museum. Like that's kind of hot, but then this like mm, no, thank you. There's a lot of like oh my god, I can't help but touch myself as I'm like eating you out in this book, and it's just like <laughs> every time it's like the way this looks is not good. I don't care if it's. The- <laughs> Jonathan, just pull up his South Park picture. It's Randy Marsh, and he's just covered in semen. That's exactly that's exactly it. Just if you have a chance, Google Randy Marsh, come, and it will show you exactly what <laughs> Megan is thinking. <laughs> and it's not like it's not like a, okay, it's not like. The, the semen is like disgusting in and of itself. It's not like, I mean, it's it's fine. Like it's a body fluid. It's whatever. It's fine. It gets you pregnant. Like it has its uses. Yeah. It's totally fine. It's just in this particular instance that it's like off-putting. <laughs> yes. Because I'm just like, when it's not your cum. It's like you don't want to just, you know, encounter some leftover semen (laughs) from God knows where on your monthly data reports. On your TPS reports. Whatever. I don't know what a TPS report is. It's from office space. Okay. Yeah. In your world's best boss mug. And (laughs) and your your hang in there kitten poster. Oh, my gosh. Well, the last time they meet is in the tube, right? Or it's... It's in the tube? No. Yeah, they end up in the tube. Oh. I forget where they meet up at the last part. The last time they meet up. I'm looking for it. But he he discovers, like, she's destitute. He pays her rent for a year. She discovers it and... She wants to give him the money back, of course, because she has a lot of pride. 
And they meet up one last time, and he chases her down to the tube, and they have sex in the station somewhere, like in the little alcove. That was in the museum again. Was it? Yes. I thought that was in the tube. No, they keep having sex in the museum. Okay. That is their place. Okay, so the museum. And at that time, it was unprotected because mm-hmm. she has a. She mentioned she has an IUD. I remember that. Yeah. And he hasn't had sex in four years. Yeah. Which is the biggest redeeming quality of this whole book. That's what you said, yeah. Yes. I thought his biggest redeeming quality was like he... He owned up to everything he did wrong and essentially paid for it financially without yeah. a lawsuit or anything. Like he paid, he took financial responsibility on his own right? to make it right, which yeah. isn't completely going to make it right, but it's a step in the he right He put direction. his money where his mouth was. Yeah. Because he is the reason why she doesn't have exactly. a career in archaeology. Exactly. So she ends up going back to school for archaeology and seemingly live happy happily ever after. Yeah. Which we have to talk about their meat. It's not a meat cue. It's a meat intense. Because when they first see each other, they want to rip each other's clothes off. At the museum. And I think, well, the next day they do. But, yeah... This guy is, like, way too intense for his own good. Yes. Church. So Church is, like, it's a Sierra Simone book. He, there are, there's a lot of spirituality combined with sexuality, which, I mean, even in the Christian tradition and in the Judaic tradition, and I'm not as familiar with the Muslim tradition, but probably there too, like, sex and worship are heavily intertwined um that's how the god of abraham designed it well sierra simone takes that and adds an atheist tradition as well and she adds this like she adds this um idea that people can find god through sex which isn't really that unbiblical essentially i mean Part of the reason I love Priest is I think it's the best book on Christianity that's been written in a while. Don't worry, we'll do a show on that. We're going to do a show on Priest. and Not it... during Lent. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. We're Yeah, we're going to do that during the dark months of February. There you when we go. do our BDSM month. There you go. So, uh, yeah, during this, during the, their meet, when they meet each other... He is like this big, big deal archaeologist slash archaeology professor. He has to host um, some visiting archaeology scholars from probably America that are there touring the British Museum. He has to play babysitter to them um, because he drew the short straw at his college, in his college department, something like that. Um, so he has to take them to the British Museum and watch the, or listen to the student give a lecture on the Levant, which is like the, um, like the Holy Lands. Mm-hmm. So she's giving this, le- he starts asking her all these philosophical questions and throwing her, trying to throw her off her game. He can't do it. 
she has answers for all of them. And he realizes, oh, this person is brilliant. Um, and then she turns out to be a student in his class. And then she's also brilliant as a student in his class. And he tries to trip her up and he can never really trip her up. Um, but at the same time, he does challenge her a little bit. But this is archaeology. Like, it can be glorified to an extent, but I've taken archaeology and there is not a need for this level of philosophy in archaeology. You're going to be talking about radiocarbon dating or tree ring dating and what's best for this old thing you dug out of the ground. Yeah. Like you, it's a lot more scientific. It's it's is a science, not it's, philosophy. It's the as science. Much. It's the science um, arm of anthropology. So yeah, it yeah, really. Well, they had to tie it into the museum, so I think that's where that is. Yeah, it's just this guy is so. Just give me a break, Church. You are not like. You are not as good as you think you are. You're not as smart as you think you are. Like Probably again not. and again, they talk about how he's the smartest person in the world. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, no, no, he's not. So, did the book hook you? It did for me. The left at the altar story gets you hooked. Yeah. That yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, my favorite thing about the book was I didn't have a favorite thing about this book <laughs> about this story. Yes, you did. You like that he redeemed himself. Okay, we'll go with that. Yeah. I do. I Okay, I will say that's my favorite part, his redemption. Yes. R-O-N. I hope some people out there are getting my references. I really do, because you don't get them. <laughs> um, I you, the museum is important in this one. Yes, because it's a it's a character in itself. The museum was the first place they had sex, and it's, it's the last a, place. It's a place where they have sex again and again and again. Yeah, I get it. I mean, yeah, I get it. It's a sexy place. Yeah, the museum, British, not. Yes, it is. Okay, I've been to the British Museum. It's a big building with old shit in it. It's sexy because he makes her feel like even though they're doing sex in a public place, he always makes sure that nobody else can see. Okay. Well, then that, so I think that has nothing to do with the museum. It has to do with his how he how he orchestrates everything. That could be anywhere. I haven't I haven't been to the British Museum, but I've been to the Metropolitan Museum and in the like the ancient Egypt room and like yeah, it's a beautiful place. So I can, yeah, I can totally see people doing it there. <laughs> okay. Um, I didn't relate to anybody. No, me either. Well, yes, I did, but no. Yes, you did, but no? Yeah. Who did you relate to? The girl. How did you relate to her? I don't think you, I, we don't talk about this. <laughs> I just did. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
ending was fine. Yeah, I like that they they got together. He hadn't had sex in four years because just nobody could possibly compare to her, which is what should happen when you're that in love. Okay. I... They... Their love is borderline. I don't know that you could call it love. I think it's like they're so obsessive. Like it's it's addiction. Yes, they're okay. definitely addicted to each other, and it's unhealthy. But then again, maybe if both characters are that unhealthily addicted to each other, maybe it works. I'm just going to assume that this is one of those times where it works. Because we have to have a happily ever we after. It's, it's a romance. romance. Yeah. Uh, if this were adapted into a movie, who would you want to see play the parts? I don't want to see anybody play these parts. <laughs> <laughs> I think Matthew Good could play the professor, now that I'm thinking about it. Matthew Good? He's really good at playing obsessive people. He plays Matthew Claremont yeah, in, in I know Discovery that. of Witches. Okay, we'll go like, with that. I don't like him for that role. We like him for this one. I love... The, the his character that he plays in the crown in season I think it's season two or season three of the crown is this guy. Okay. And it's like, like yeah, it's a he's an amazing actor. He I think he stole that season of the crown because he's just so intense and he's so sexual, and it's like looking at him, he really has no right to be. And that's how I see Church. Okay. Because they don't describe him as handsome. Like, he's striking looking, but he's not handsome. We'll, so We'll go with Matthew Good. What about yeah. her? I She's described as kind of dumpy and ordinary. Really? She is, yes. Like, she, I, I picture her as, like, a typical college, like, Typical bright, kind of dorky college student who's a little bit dumpy and like long stringy hair that doesn't really know how to style it very well. Okay. It's just parted down the middle and way too long and in need of a haircut. Kind of like dishwater blonde. So I don't picture anybody in Hollywood. But another, I also don't want to see her like that. Another I up and comer. Picture somebody who's like gonna match the intensity of the church's character so i don't i don't know all right another up-and-comer then yeah i mean the intensity would probably have to be someone like scarlett johansson yeah but she's too that's old. who i was thinking but yeah she's, yeah but it needs to be somebody who's in their early 20s all right well rank one through five the bbls like okay. number one is the best five is the worst Number one okay. is obviously... So I have a new thing. Okay. Alicia Rye is another romance character, and I was just listening to her... Um, her, uh, It's not hers. The Faded Mates podcast episode about her book, Serving Pleasure. And uh, Jen Prokop said something about how she has a chili pepper writing... Which to me is different than a, a book boner level. So for me, a book boner level is sort of personal. Okay. 
like how like turned on I am by it because there can be all the sex in the world and it's not gonna see do I don't anything for I me. don't think of BBL like that I think of it how much sex is in it okay so so I think of a chili pepper okay so we'll go with that then so the uh, with the chili pepper rating I would rate definitely Sierra Simone's at the fight at, at the top yeah because you She's have number to, one like, hot ropes have come trumps everything else <laughs> <laughs> obviously so uh, of the two i read sierra simone's is one the other one is two so <laughs> um so in terms of book boner level probably sierra simone and then um and then not a bad boy louisa edwards i think i have to pull up the names i i picture them to me they're books one two three and four yeah um, not, not a, a bad boy. Yeah, that was Louise Edwards. And then Songbird, and then A Duke Worth Falling For, and then Better With You. Okay. That's my Chili Pepper rating. So my BBL rating would be Not a Bad Boy, A Duke Worth Falling For. You go better with bottom you. to top. And they're sort of backwards. So the hotter the hotter it is to me. Well, Not a Bad Boy, I think was my was the hottest to me okay the one with ian hale the actor and the normal looking mallory pritchard okay because there was a lot of sex in it and there was a lot of like raunchier things but at the same time like it was very meaningful okay and then, and then the same way with the a duke worth falling for sarah mclean's like there's a lot of sex but it wasn't it wasn't intended to be like let's just see how far we can push this because the book is called naughty brits yeah well i yeah it definitely was that um i didn't like the sex in songbird so that to me is like a bbl1 better with you it's like bbl5 maybe and then supplicant by sierra simone bbl0 because <laughs> it just didn't, didn't no. appeal. Okay. There's a lot of sex. None of it appealed. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. And that's that. The, yeah, I guess I'll go with chili pepper instead of BBL. I think we can we can rate it both because I think it. It's different. Yeah. It's a different rating system. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that was Naughty Brits. Yeah. If you have time to read them, go ahead and read them because the two I read were very good reads. If you're not under a deadline, yeah, y- yeah, you won't have any problem. No. It's Hank. Yeah. All right. So Hank is up. We got to put him back to bed. Um, we did have something else we're gonna talk about, but we can we can skip it. Okay. Um, it's a long episode as it is. Yeah. So. Do us a favor if you've gone this gotten this far, <laughs> please please leave us a five star and a comment, rev- a review, a comment on Apple iTunes, Apple Podcast. Even if it's this is a great podcast, even yeah. as simple as that, it helps boost our ratings and we can get we can Gotta get beat to those algorithms. Yeah, we can get to more people and get the romance genre on in more eyes. Yeah. So. In the hands of more men. In the hands of more that That's the mission of this podcast, actually, is to get yeah. more men to read 
podcast to read romance and all of our listeners are women <laughs> so women out well, there well, okay, get your when, get yeah. your fellas if you have one if you have dude friends get them to listen and get them to give us a five star and a review <laughs> <laughs> i don't care if the review is bad just put five stars with it <laughs> <laughs> okay and with that i have nothing else nope all right We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.